and welcome to the Fitness Fixated podcast with me, your host, John Clark. I'm joined on the line today by cover and fitness model, golf fitness expert, Ollie Foster. How you doing, Ollie? I'm good, John. Good to hear from you. How have you been? Yeah, it's, it's been a while, mate, since you moved from Manchester back down south. I haven't been able to get in with you, but yeah, I miss you. No, it was, we had some fun times up in Manchester. It was uh, a short trip, but... Um, a worthwhile one, really, for me, um, in a lot of ways. But yeah, it was a, we had a, a good few training training months together, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. You you helped me uh, big time, especially because um, I know it's not one of your expertise, but I was prepping for a show. You gave me some good advice and good tips, yeah. and a lot of stuff that I've been able to pass on with my clients as well. Oh, good. So it was good to hear. So, Ollie, can you just give us a brief background of who you are, how you got into the fitness industry? and your story basically yeah i mean so if, we, if we go back to the very beginning uh, i was quite active as a as a very as a youngster however when i went to secondary school i went from a small primary school to a, a very large secondary school and and kind of just sort of went from being a big big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond and isolated myself put on a bit of weight you know, ate stuff I shouldn't be eating, chips, cheese and gravy every day, milkshakes, nice. school canteens. And um, I always remember at the age of 14, I came last, I mean dead last, in the school cross-country race and I was mortified. I was in pieces. I went home crying to my dad. And, and then from then, really, my dad sort of said, like, look, we'll take you to the gym. I went to the gym, got into some running, cross-country running. And my love of fitness just started from there, really. The, the next year, I won the cross-country race, then moved into sort of playing rugby league. And that was something I wanted to do passionately. I was, I was quite a good player, but was always struggling with injuries. Managed to play, or had a season in New Zealand, season in Australia. But at the age of 19, I went to university, did a degree in nutrition, health and lifestyles, and then worked in the, the university gym part-time for a couple of years. And then once I finished my degree, moved into personal training. And since then, I've been a personal trainer, really. So that's sort of 18 years working as a PT. And then sort of going back, sort of 25, when I was still trying to play rugby, but struggling again with injuries, I had a word with or a surgeon had a word with me and said, Look, we can stop with this little dance where you keep having operations. I think it was my twelfth operation or something silly like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, right, well, what am I gonna train for? Because I always needed a reason to train. And um I was sitting at work one day on the computer, and men's health competition came up. And it was them days you could enter a competition to to sort of the winner would be you know, graced on the front cover. So I entered didn't hear anything, thought nothing of it. And then about six weeks later, I'm sitting on the beach in Barcelona, eating uh, out of a jar of Nutella and a <laughs> loaf of bread. And I get the call to say you're in the final. So I was like, wow, okay. So I literally dropped what I was doing there and then went to the gym, had two weeks to sort of regain the shape that I got into. Uh, went down to London for the photo shoot and found out about a month later that I, I won it. And then from then, subsequently, I've done a few more front covers for men's health, a couple of muscle and fitness, and a few magazines over in the US. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much how it all started for me with regards to personal training and, and being a cover model. That's fantastic. Like, 
I know when I started in the fitness industry and I, I was working in the university gym myself, I remember seeing you on the front cover of the magazines uh, and being like so envious. That was like what I wanted to do so badly. Um, can you talk a, a bit about that? Is it all it's cracked up to be, to be uh, on the cover of magazines? Yes and no. Yes, from the point of view that it is a rare achievement that not many people manage to succeed doing. And I think it gets harder and harder. Well, it, it, the online or magazines these days are dying due to the online sort of business, really. Um, in the sense of an achievement, when I first got into it at 15, 16, I used to look at guys like Greg Avedon, who's still going strong now with doing some front covers. And that's exactly what I wanted to emulate. But being a rugby player at the time, I was, you know, at the, the heaviest, I was 110 kilos. So I was, I was a big guy. And when I dieted to do the first the first comp, the, the first cover, I went from 110 to 95. So I wasn't concerned about having to put any muscle mass on. I was more concerned about having to drop body fat. Would you say that was something people don't um, understand, that fitness models aren't maybe as big as what you'd expect? They're just more oh, conditioned? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, unless you've attended Body Power or some some of these expos, you won't realise how some of these guys aren't, aren't as big as, as, what, as what you perceive them to be. It isn't until you stand next to them or they, they, they're in a picture with somebody else that you get a sort of replicate, a true representation of what how big they actually are. So a lot of the guys, you know, they're not as, as big as they're perceived to be. Um, and, he, you know, even in my day when I was doing it in 2005, it was more of the beach look. If you were too vascular, uh, you wouldn't get the cover. It was too unattainable. Covers have to be desirable to the general population, the general public that are buying those magazines. If it's too much, if it was, you know, like some of these bodybuilding magazines then it, it wouldn't you would never be able to grace the cover unfortunately it just didn't work that way yeah and i know um you you got tattoos and stuff um like a yeah. big tribal one all down your arm inside how did that affect you getting work because probably with like some men's health they they wouldn't want tattoos on it am i doing it? especially back they, then they, no i mean the first the first cover they kept it in a couple of covers they airbrushed stuff out the ironic thing with the tattoo is when I won the competition, part of the deal was was that he signed with a modelling agency in London. So I moved on to London to work with this model agency of the dream, really. And this is, you know, this is the ultimate goal to be a model, a full-time worker model in London, especially at that time. But I got a lot of criticism for having a tattoo with other work. It, it was it was highly frowned upon. So you'd go to a casting, they'd see the tattoo, and they'd automatically dismiss you. And the other issue was I was just too big um, just to be a commercial model. You know, I went down, I think I'd, I'd gone up to about, back up to about 100 kilos when I moved down to London. And I left London six months later, weighing 80 kilos. And they were still asking me to lose weight um, so I could be more commercial. Because in that industry, you don't, when you're doing fittings, for example, the clothes have to fit you. They don't alter the clothes to fit you, if that makes sense. If you're too yeah. big, you don't get any work. And I got a little bit of work, but I didn't get much, but it was very cutthroat, and they were very um, hard on you to keep losing weight. And I just, I was starving myself, and I had enough. So after six months, I sacked it in and, and left. And then coming back to the tattoos, what I did was I got an extension on all my tattoos, because what I wanted was to took me to, to, to give myself something which would refrain me from trying to go back into that industry because because it was so frowned upon. I thought, well, if I get more tattoos, 
they'll never want to use me and I'll never be tempted to go back into doing it. When the reality is a few years later, tattoos became very sort of sought after and I did get a few more covers with them on. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, it, initially it wasn't too much of a hindrance in with regards to men's health, but it was with uh, other modeling jobs. Yeah, because I think things like muscle and fitness, they've got a bit of a harder look. It doesn't matter if you've got yeah. tattoos and stuff, but men's health is more the clean-cut kind of image, isn't it? It is, yeah. It is. It's just the beach body type look, isn't it, really? Yeah. And with the, what you're saying, you did the modelling in London, and I, I imagine the money's good. One of the stories I've heard from um, people who, who do fitness modelling is the money's good at the time, but they take so many photos, and then they get used across everywhere because the photographer owns the right to them and you don't actually yeah. get much money in the, the long run from it all. Yeah, no, that's true. So a lot of the deals are with the photographers as opposed to with the agencies. It depends on your agency and how good they are in terms of pushing for for money. But with Men's Health, for example, you could do one shoot with Men's Health and they'd pay you just over a couple hundred pounds for the shoot. But they could reuse any image from that shoot for another front cover. So you don't get paid for the cover, you get paid for the shoot. But potentially you could get five covers from that one shoot if you know if they really wanted to. It doesn't work that way. The, the big money is in campaigns and depending on how global the campaign is. You know, if it's a national campaign, you get a bit of money. But if it's an international campaign, you get a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's, that's up to your agency to sort that out for you. And how come you never went down the route of competing? Obviously, you've got a real marketable look um, that could only transcend into doing um, fitness shows. How come that never appealed to you to then move on to that? I don't I mean, I think it's just because I'm a very introverted person. I didn't want to stand on stage and be critiqued by somebody else. Um, I'm already my worst critic, and I don't need to hear it from somebody else, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. And behind the camera, it's one-on-one, -on -one, but on stage, it's not. You're up against other people. And I just, I don't think I really had the confidence to do it. It wasn't something that, especially later in life, I believed in, in the sense of, you know, most of the the guys on the stage, and you'll know yourself. You look, you're looking in your best shape possible, but you're probably one of the most unhealthiest you've been to get oh, to yeah, that totally. point. And I just didn't agree with that whole process. Um, so I never really, I was, I wasn't. I think there was only one point in my life where I was potentially thinking about doing a show in America. Is it the PNC or something it was at the time? I can't remember now. But I got, got that thought out of my head after about a week, really, and just, just carried on as normal. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can understand that. I mean, even though I, I have competed, it's something I never thought I would do because nobody, like you say, wants to go up and get judged. Um, but I did it because it's blown up in the market now, so it helps me if clients come to me and want help coaching to say that you've done yeah, it. Yeah, oh, no, I completely agree with that, John. I think if, if that's the kind of coaching that you're going to be doing with people, then you have to have walked the, walk, the road, so to speak. You know, you have to know what your clients are going through to deal with the emotions that, they, that, that, that we're testing them at times. And it's the same when I do body transformations. You know, I've done my own transformation on myself, so I know what it feels like, and I can relate to the clients with the journey that they're on. 
And I think that's a, a testament for any of these um, specialities in the industry that you work in. You, you know, you don't have to be in shape yourself all year round, but you have to have experience of, of getting into shape at least to be given the advice that, you know. I think isn't that the requirement of ultimate performance where you, where you work? Don't they make you do the transformation yeah, when you do. start? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I, I don't work for ultimate performance anymore. I just work out of the gym itself. But, um, you know, I'm still very good friends with Nick and he's looked after me very well. Yeah. But it is a requirement, yes. I mean, if the, if the, if the trainer or a new trainer hasn't gone through a transformation with themselves before, then it will be a requirement before they uh, start working with clients so they understand what's going on. And I think that works well, really, to be honest with you, because, you know, from a business point of view there's no better businesses out there at the moment producing body transformations and it's because of the process that they they go through with the trainers yeah no i, I can agree i can agree um just um moving on then um we talked about the fitness industry and it, it is quite good in some ways how you, you can get money uh and all that kind of stuff but you really fell out with it in a big way and i know on your instagram and stuff you've talked about it uh, recently and me and you in person have spoke about um like the darker side of the fitness industry and how really in a way golf has saved your life yeah yeah could you like talk about that i, mean, expand I, just, on that? I found that i become really self self-obsessive um i isolate myself massively i didn't go to parties i didn't go to people's friends weddings because i didn't want to put myself in a situation where i couldn't control the environment around me and I became so restrictive with food choices, you know, I developed a really bad eating disorder from it, especially when I was in London that time. I was eating something like uh, a thousand calories a day. That's low for a man. Yeah, and then on a weekend, on a Sunday, I was eating, having a cheat day. And that was that basically came from the bodybuilding mentality, the cheat days. Um, and I'd have over 10,000 calories on that day to the point where I was eating and physically being sick, not making myself sick, but physically being sick from the volume of food that I'd consume. I'd rest 30, 40 minutes and I'd go again and just keep doing it. And it took me several years to overcome that eating disorder and my relationship with food to the point where now I'm, I'm really flexible with my food choices. If I want something, I have it. I'm actually in better shape as in terms of a maintenance shape that I've ever been. But, you know, in terms of peak condition, I'm not as good as I, as I have been before. But I'm, I don't go through this yo-yo anymore. I really struggle to maintain the condition that I had for shoots because of the restrictive process that I put myself on to get into that condition. And, um, and yeah, I just, you know, I used to blame people for being unhappy. Um, if things didn't work out in relationships, I'd blame that person and leave. It was really, it was a really destructive pattern for me, John, and and I just really fell out of love with it all until I removed myself from this this scenario and just said, look, I'm not going to do fitness shoots anymore, so I don't have to stress out about trying to maintain my condition and all this, and try and find something else to train for. Because when I stopped training for rugby, I trained for athletics, but I became really one-dimensional when I trained for athletics. I've gone from a functional rugby player to this person that can only really walk backwards and forwards. And it wasn't until I found golf when I moved up to Manchester that my whole training ethos changed a little bit to be more functional again, have more movement, just be more athletic once more and enjoy life. What is it about golf that you find so appealing? I mean, uh, I'm quite ignorant because I think of it, golf, old man's game, um, yeah. something I'll do when I'm retired. I know it's a really 
talented skill. You know, you're hitting a tiny ball into a hole miles away. And I know they have like Tiger Woods and that their, their fitness and core conditioning is amazing. But then you do see a lot of old guys who play it and stuff. So what is it about golf that really... Yeah, I think it's just the challenge and the challenge that it's a game that you'll never master. There's so many games within the game itself. It's also, for me... I... You know, I did a lot of reading self-help books when I was struggling with my depression and having therapy. And when I moved to Manchester, I didn't really get on with the therapist that I was seeing there. And we had a golf course at the bottom end of the garden. So I thought, you know what, my dad used to try and get me into golf when I was a kid and I just totally brushed it aside. So I went and got myself a set of sticks and went out and played and just totally fell in love with the game. From that, really, I started to get this relationship with golf and life and how the two intertwine so much. You know, with golf, you have to live in the moment. You have to live in the now. You can't be thinking about the past because it will affect that shot that you're about to play. You can't be thinking about the future. So I just found so many different dimensions where golf and life completely interrelated with each other. And then from the physical point of view, I realised that I was just too, too static. I just had no dynamic movement anymore. So I went off to Florida to do a, an assessment course, what we call a TPI assessment course over there, where you do a functional movement screening test, and it shows, you know, it sort of rates you on a scale with regards to movement within the golf swing. Mm-hmm. And my whole ethos of the training changed then with regards to how I work with my own clients. You know, I'll now screen my clients to make sure that we assess any dysfunctions before we start building a training plan for them. And then I just use myself as a little bit of an experiment, really, how I could fix my own body because I've got issues. I've got knee issues. I've got lower back issues. I've got all the, the, the weak points where golfers get injured. So from a physical point of view, I shouldn't be able to play golf, but because I've been able to identify what my issues were and work on them, I can now play golf, you know, as freely as possible. In the beginning, after I played around the golf, it would take me maybe two or three days before I'd recover and actually move again. It was crazy. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's interesting. That's something maybe I will look into in the future and, and give golf a go. I've only been to a driving range in crazy golf, but... I've heard yeah. it's so frustrating when you when you first start that I'll probably oh, I mean, mate, bend the club over money. A million pounds now to go back to the beginning, I'd say no, because five years, nearly five years down the line of of trying to play, the the journey is such a long journey to get to the point where you really start to enjoy it. I mean, you enjoy it in the beginning, but I know what you would be like. You'd, you'd expect more from yourself. I think as well with with us that. being relatively big guys. I'd expect to hit the ball for miles as well. Yeah, and I just wouldn't exactly. hit. You know, you're an athlete. You're good at most sports. It's but golf isn't like that. It's, it's a, it is an athlete's game. I mean, golfers are athletes within themselves. They might not look it, but they are. Um, especially the top end, high PGA professionals. But um, but yeah, I know, I know, I know exactly how you'd feel when you when you start to play. You'd expect more from yourself, and that's where you just got to lower your expectations. That's another thing that golf taught me is just lowering my expectations in life. Yeah, are you only working with people trying to improve the golf game now? Or are you still working no, with GP? No, I still work with with clients trying to get transformations. I mean, online it's mainly body transformations, one to one. It's there's a couple of golfers in there. There's a few transformations, and there's a few clients that just want to live their life. They want to try and balance between what they do outside of the gym to what they do inside of the gym. You know, it's entirely up to the client what they want to work on. You know, I remember in the earlier days, I used to try and push clients towards the way that I would train or my goals, as opposed to listening to them. Yeah, I think goals. everyone's guilty of that. 
Yeah, and it takes a while to, to, to learn, doesn't it, really? So now it's all about the client. It's not about me anymore. What I found is interesting, what you, you just said there, going back a little bit, is how if I was looking at you and your life back then when you you doing men's health and doing all this, I think, look, this guy, he's living the dream there. He you know He's in great shape, good-looking lad. He, he's on the cover of men's health, muscle and fitness. But then you're saying you're actually really unhappy and depressed. It's just, yeah. It's, cra- it's crazy, isn't it, to see, like, what you're... Yeah. But you I don't mean, actually know what's going on yeah, behind closed doors. Again, I'd hate to think what would happen if social media was around uh, in, in them days. But you're living a lie almost, you know. It's 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 it wasn't healthy for me at the time. And if I knew what I knew now in terms of how my body would respond if I was more flexible, it would be a different different story. But I think that's the journey of life, isn't it? Just learning as you go along and making sure that you're taking on board what you are learning adapting trying to make yourself better yeah 100% that's why I still value in getting PT sessions from other people and learning yeah. new stuff all the time like you I've funny seen, enough yeah. you were the first person to use um to get me doing like the those band banded kind of glute drills uh, and yeah, now yeah. I use that with everyone now they're everywhere and you see them now all over Instagram but yeah. that, you were the first person to do that with me I remember showing like lads in the gym they go that's a girl's exercise that looks so that easy yeah. and you've got you've just got to leave your ego at the door sometimes you know what I mean yeah yeah definitely and work on those smaller weaknesses rather than just the big mirror muscles exactly the mirror muscles was exactly what I was mate everything I could see was fine but the thing I couldn't see was just not working and how did you um this this sky uh, golf stuff come about then Ollie so I do some work with I'm a fitness ambassador for golf breaks and golf breaks have a really good relationship with sky sports and we just had a meeting one day and said look this is this is what I'm looking to do within the golf sector the golf fitness industry I'm just trying to promote movement so that golfers can play the game for longer reduce the risk of injury and just sort of give themselves a little bit of um, basic knowledge with regards to exercise and nutrition both on and off the course and this is for amateur golfers I'm, I'm only really interested in it in working with amateur golfers as opposed to professionals and that's purely because there's more bang for buck with an amateur because amateurs have more dysfunctions just due to social lifestyle factors but also, I don't, you know, I've got, I've got my own goals and dreams within the golf game itself. And if you work with a professional, what you'll you'll tend to have to do is follow them around and live somebody else's dream. And that's not what I want to do. So I want to create a base around me, help others as much as possible, while still fulfilling my own goals and dreams. Yeah, no, I can I can understand that. Um, but to me, I, I would still love to be on the front cover uh, of a magazine <laughs> over the golf side any day. Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of people still would, but it's 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 not that it's not as hard as it's not as easy as as you might think because the thing with fitness magazines and without trying to sound too big headed, there's there's so many people out there with physiques that are good enough to grace the front cover of a magazine, but you've got to have the look as well, you oh, know. Yeah. And to do that nowadays, normally you need to be represented by an agency or at least have a sponsorship deal because a lot of the sponsors now can actually buy front covers, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, but you need a you need a modelling agency. And to get into a modelling agency isn't isn't as easy as a lot of people think really. No, so no. It's, I, I know it's, it's all about the the look. Did the men's health still do the competition where you, you can win it without going through a model agency? I, I, I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on that. I think they did try and bring it back, but um, 
I'm not 100 percent sure. And if if they're not, they should do because it is it's 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 really good. It gives somebody the opportunity that would never have the opportunity otherwise to to do it. Yeah, I know. And, and like that that's one of the main reasons I used to read. I don't can't say that I read men's health anymore because it's just a like a big contradiction of itself all the way yeah. through and too many adverts yeah. and stuff. It, when it first came out, I was really into it, but I've kind of uh, put all the fitness magazines down, down to be honest now. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they've gone from being a fitness magazine to being a lifestyle magazine, which is a completely different sort of uh, massive information, unfortunately. Moving on, Ollie, what, what have you got planned for the future? Is it more TV golf stuff or... What? Yeah, I mean, we were set to do some more filming with Sky Sports for the Golf Fitness Show, but that's been put on hold now, just obviously due to the budget with everything going on, which is crazy with the lockdown. So but I'm still going to focus on the golf side of thing and try and move into that a little bit more. Online, on, online's a struggle, to be honest with you. You know, we used to have a really big online business, and that's slowing down now because the market is so saturated. Yeah, especially because of uh, the COVID-19. That's how yeah. everyone's having to do. Is on, everyone's jumped on the online bandwagon, haven't they? They are, mate. And rightly so, because they've got a fence for themselves, but a lot of people are giving away stuff for peanuts. So it's going to be a race. It's going to be a price war, and it's just going to be a race to the bottom. And, you know, experience is no longer taken into consideration when somebody makes a purchase. It's all based on cost now because everyone's trying to save money, unfortunately. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, you can either try and go really cheap and just get loads of people, or you can just do a really big, expensive price tag and, you know, and then people presume you're better and you don't need to um, get quite as many. I think they're the two main options. They are, but the, 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 the cheap side of it, I mean, we dropped our price at one point a few years ago to try and be more in line with market value. And I just couldn't give the people the level of service that they needed because I was dealing with too many people. So I had to put the price back up and reduce the numbers. And I think, you know, you've got to be true to yourself as well. You've got to say, what is my value? And don't sacrifice that value just to try and get more numbers into the into the game. I'd rather have less people and have less money. I mean, I, for example, now, um, and this is just in terms of trying to get the balance of work and life and, and enjoyment. I don't earn as much as I do now than I did four or five years ago. But I have more freedom to my life, which, you know, in my life. I can work with clients more independently with less numbers, give them more value and more support. And still enjoy, you know, what I want to do. Yeah, well, that's the the old um, saying, isn't it? You you work to live, not live to work. Yeah, yeah. And it's just trying to find that saying before it's too late. I think, or live by that saying before it's too late. Yeah, I think um, myself, it it's hard because I've, obviously we just had a baby. Um, yeah. When, when you yeah. when you've got to get that balance right of having the family time and then trying to do the hours in to support the lifestyle you want as well. Yeah, and your priorities change completely. I mean, I've not gone down that route yet, but hopefully I will. And, and when I do, I can obviously, I can see my, my life will change dramatically and I would have to probably step it up a gear with regards to work and income and what have you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just, this is just part of life, isn't it? And just changing your priorities depending on the situation that you faced. Yeah, totally. So, Ollie, can you give us um, some like practical tips that our, our listeners who are listening that they can take away from this? Maybe give us some tips on uh, fitness modeling and then also give us some tips on maybe improving your golf game. Just some simple things. doesn't have to be uh, really in-depth, but just something people can take away. Yeah, I mean, 
from a fitness model point of view, I would never deter anyone from doing it because I still think it's a great uh, goal to have, an achievement to, to drive towards. But I would never try and focus on being a fitness model only because there's very few people in the industry that have survived solely of just being a fitness model. Greg Plitt probably was the only. <laughs> yeah, the late Greg Plitt was probably the first. I think Steve Cook is probably is probably doing it now, and that's only because he set up a lot of sponsorship deals around it. He's doing Biggest Loser now, actually. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's one of the trainers on there. So there's there's not many people that if you think that it's a you know it's a, a market where you're going to get paid lots of money, you're not. You're not at all. You'd be lucky if you get paid for a front cover. Actually, Greg Plitt was the person that stopped people being paid for front covers because he, yeah, he, he, they used to offer him a fee, and he said, "No, I'll do it for free. It's fine. Just having the front cover is, is the, you know, is a value to me within itself." So other photographers would say, "Well." You know, if Greg's doing it for free, then why is nobody else doing it for free? And if you're working in the industry and if you're a model, for example, having that in your portfolio is great. It will get you other work. But the only, the, the only real money comes from fitness modeling is from the sponsorship deals around you. But then you become somebody else's entity. You know, they use you and they can abuse you as much as possible. Um, when you we were talking about some other people from um, the fitness industry then, What's it like? Is it quite cutthroat between like the big names in the fitness industry? Have you ever found any like there's been bad blood between you and other cover models? Like mm, you no, like oh, I want really. that. I I was meant to have uh, that cover or anything or. Does you know not not personally? I've never experienced it. I've never had or had a bad word to say about anyone. I, I do know of a few couple of cases in the US where there was lawsuits going on for trying to copyright infringements and what have you. Um, I won't mention them on here just in case yeah, no, but but it's very very rare that you have anything like that most of the guys and girls in the industry are sound they're all doing the same thing they know what it's like it's not really that cutthroat to be honest with you because at the end of the day it's up the discretion is normally up to the, either the editors of the magazine or the photographer it's not really a battle that you can fight with somebody else you can only get in the best shape you can possible have your picture taken and then see what happens and what about for golf now, Ollie? So for somebody like me who's picking up golf for the first time or somebody who's still a, a rookie at it, how can they uh, improve their game? For me, from a fitness standpoint, is to be screened. And I, and I say quite a lot on my, uh, my Instagram and, and social feeds, but having a, a mechanical or biomechanical screening assessment will really help identify any sort of dysfunctions and limitations that you have, not only in relation to golf, but just into movement in general. And you'll be surprised. You might think you're, you're, you're sort of, your body's quite sound, but you, when you have these screenings, you'll be surprised at the areas that are really weak and need focus, and it will make you just move better all round in general not just for golf but in life itself how easy so, though is it to get that done like i do know one place that does it here in liverpool but i can't imagine that it's that easy to get uh hold of to get like computer screens and all that screened, which yeah. is the tightest performance institution there's not that many people in the uk that um that do those assessments but i mean there's enough people for somebody to find one i just don't know how far you'd have to travel. But there are a lot of movement screening specialists, you know, even if you just use an FMS or something like that. Um, that's what I would look into. I just think most of what we do in the gym and, and society, our lifestyles are deconditioning us and we just don't realise it until it's too late. So 
just improve the movement in general, just do something different than, than not only just, you no, know, I'm a huge fan of lifting weights, I always have been and always will be, but just adding in some mobility sessions once every other day or at least, you know, once or twice a week will have huge improvements to the way you move. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that applies to outside of golf as well, just for any, any kind of sport. Yeah. Too. So, uh, Ollie, what, what are you finding personally is motivating you at the moment? Me, it's just my own journey, mate, my own progress. Right now, my my goal within within work is is probably to ultimately, within the next five years, just be able to remove myself from social media. It sounds You want to horrible. leave it completely, do you? Yeah, yeah I'd like to remove myself from it, just because from my own, you know, my own mind, my own sound, peace of mind. Um, I don't think it, it does me any favours in terms of, it does work-wise, but not mental-wise. But I can imagine for someone like you, um, you must get purely praise. You, 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 I can't imagine you getting hate off people online like some no, people do. No, I don't get hate, but I find, it, I find it very self-destructive, you know, doing what I do in terms of the posts that I put up and uh, and, and what have you, because... And I also, I, I, you know, one thing I do struggle with, John, with social media, because I think it is a great tool and a great platform to share information. But, you know, I'm not too sure if, you, if you've done this yourself, but I can spend, you know, an hour trying to create a post that provides valuable information and hardly get any feedback or response from it whatsoever. Or then I can put an old picture of me up in my underwear <laughs> and it just, it goes, you know, it goes sky high. Yeah, so but I think that's because that appeals to the general audience and yeah. there's only like you know muscle nerds like us who are going to be really interested in like this here's the scientific reason of why this works and this is good so yeah that's but that's that's the audience that i want to try and engage in and that's you know that's but my ultimate goal is to try and qualify to play golf on the seniors tour so that gives me nine years to um to bring my handicap down hopefully turn professional and and give it a crack who who is your golfing idol? Like who who's your hero? Oh in that world? yeah, I mean, um, even before I started playing golf, I had a lot of admiration for Tiger Woods. I still respect a lot of the guys, but I think Tiger Woods, especially the way he's come back from injury, obviously his little hoo ha that he went through as well. Just the psychological demands that must have been placed on him, and to come back from and do what he did, I just think that I have to, have, you know, the greatest respect for that kind of that kind of person. Yeah, he's like one of those people where, like, if you say name a golfer, that's the only person they can name. I could yeah. probably name, like, three golfers. It's like, if you say someone name a UFC fighter, Conor McGregor, you name a boxer, Floyd Mayweather, kind of, it, they're, like, the, the big the names. You put it on the map, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the goats of their, of their industry. Yeah. And do you still have any heroes inside of the fitness industry? Um, I wouldn't say heroes. A lot of people I respect... You know, I always respect anyone that's helped me, to be honest, allowed me to grow. And I'm still learning now. I'm always, I'm never going to stop learning. But I think my, my very first, one of my very first mentors is a guy named Mike Smith, who used to own but works at the gym, body tech in Carlisle. He really gave me the platform to help um, develop myself and move me into the industry. Still learning. Worked with Phil for a long time. I have okay. a huge amount of respect for him and what he does still. And even Nick Mitchell, you know, Nick Nick has given me the opportunity to grow my own business on the side, which without him I would never be in the position I am now. So I have a huge amount of respect for Nick. He's he's done a lot for me 
um, which I'll always be truly grateful for. But yeah, yeah, they're, they're so, both people. Like I, I've met them both, and probably I would look up to the industry. Like Phil Lane, he's he, he's really good. The, the the like information he puts out for improving your PT business is really interesting, and I always find him interesting yeah. in podcasts. And then Nick Mitchell, like you say, he he did the magazines himself, and then with him now having ultimate performance and open them all over the world now. I think they're in like where is it where I went to it in Marbella and London and yeah. Manchester and is it Tokyo yeah, they're, they're, and they're everywhere? Aren't they? Global dominance. Yeah. So, yeah. And rightly so, because the, the business itself, it deserves it, because it, it does everything it, that, that, it, that it should, and it gives you everything that, you you know, the value for money, it's, it's worth every penny. So, um, just um, going to wrap this up a little bit, but I was thinking maybe I could just uh, fire some quick-fire questions at you um, yeah. at the end. Yeah, just really simple, easy ones. Um, so, do you have a favourite song that you like to train or work out to? Mm, no. I like, uh, I just found... An album is it called Eight Eight D Dance Trance type music, old school gate crusher. But don't have a particular favorite song. No, that's okay. That's a, a good answer. Uh, favorite food at the moment, Ollie? Mm. Oh, I love food. Love all food. I think it would probably be chili. Chili. My other my other half makes a really good chili. Yeah, so mm. I have that quite a lot. Nice, nice, um, and. What about, do you have a favourite exercise in the gym? I don't, no, that's a good question. No, not, not one particular exercise. There's never one exercise that I... I, I'm, I don't necessarily mean like an exercise that everyone should be doing, but just one you particularly like doing. I mean, one I do quite a lot, variations of, is a single leg RDL. I think you get a lot of bang for buck out of that exercise just in terms of posterior chain, balance, proprioception, stability. So, yeah, I think if, if there's one exercise, that would probably be it. Um, do you have a favourite film, Ollie? Top Gun. Top Gun. Are you looking forward to the second yeah. one coming out? I was, mate, but it's been delayed, hasn't it? So I don't know when that's coming out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it will be good. Like, Tom Cruise, a legend. Um so just before we um, finish this interview, can you tell people how they can find you on social media and all your plugins and everything like that if they yeah, are I mean, interested in working best, with you? The best way to find me on social media is on Instagram, um, Ollie Foster Fitness. I have also got a handle for my golf, um, my golf account, which is Golf Fit by Ollie. But most things are posted on Instagram first and then filtered through to either Facebook or Twitter rather than trying to post them independently these days. Yeah, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure I tag you in the post when I put Thank this you. up as well. Um, yeah, is there anything else you, you want to say, Ollie? Or no, I think that was good. I was, uh, enjoyed that, mate. It was good to catch up. Well, thanks very much for coming on, Ollie. No, thank you, and thank you for thinking of me. I really appreciate it, mate. No, like, like I say, uh, um, you're someone who I still um, look up to in the industry, and um, if you were up in Manchester again, I'd probably still be working with you. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. You're a good man, and you, you're a great trainer, So, and it's fantastic to see you to doing something like this as well, sharing information, so good on you. Thanks. And quickly, guys, just to let you know, we've started our Instagram page, which is at Fitness Fixated Podcast, and we've also got our Facebook page, which is Fitness Fixated Podcast. So if you can just give those a like and a follow, it would be much appreciated. And you'll get updated with all the latest information and news and guests coming up. Thanks.